0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit IBM.com/slash hybrid cloud. <gasps> It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisco. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you.
2: What up, Bengals fans? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're here today to review the first preseason game, the first live football of the Zach Taylor era and of this podcast era. That's all right.
1: With us hosting. Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
2: So we can start with a high level summary. The Bengals lost 17 to 38 in Kansas City. The first team for both teams played about one drive. John Jerry stayed out there a little bit longer. They tried him at right tackle. He had some penalty issues. The running game didn't get off the ground. But the yeah. first drive actually looked pretty good for the Bengals. It was like, what, 16 plays for a touchdown, including converting some long third downs, some really nice throws to Tyler Boyd when they were behind the sticks to catch back up and get back on schedule. Travion Williams had a nice screen pass. The one Tyler Boyd's screen pass was set up really well, and then... Yeah. Uh, Cordy Glenn just couldn't get out there. And then the Chiefs go right down and score just as you expect them to. The Bengals have Sean Williams can't find the ball on a wheel route or something, or, or was it just a go route to to, to it Kelsey. Was a wheel. Yeah. And then uh and then they run that little play action and Sean Williams and Jordan Evans both get stuck with their eyes in the backfield, and the Kansas City backup tight end just gets to run for free for twenty yards or so. Yeah. And and I mean Mahomes did what you kind of expect him to do, right? Like I, the, the pass rush looked pretty good on that drive. I'll give him that, but that's a tough, yeah, the, tough assignment for your first assignment.
1: The difference to me was that the Chiefs' offense looked like the Chiefs' offense, right? In terms of misdirection, they had a lot of uh, zone read-looking stuff, at least to get the linebackers out of the way, putting them in conflict. They had, I mean, the running out and up is is fantastic were one of the first plays of the game, so. Uh, I appreciated that part of the Chiefs where the Bengals seem to be holding back a little bit. I hope they're holding back, right? Because uh, even they brought guys in motion a lot, Cody Core, which I think would be the jet sweep stuff. And then they ran the plays that I saw from the Rams offense, but they weren't doing them at the right timing, at the right pace. And I thought maybe they're just going through the motions rather than actually trying to show everything they have, and uh, which is you know, that's one way to approach preseason. You don't have to do it like the, like the Chiefs did, but it'd be nice to uh, operate that way. The way the Chiefs moved the ball down the field, you thought to yourself, yeah, if this is a full game, uh, I'd be concerned about the Bengals' defense really quickly because the, the Chiefs look like they're in mid season form.
2: To be fair, the Bengals' first-team defense was missing Geno Atkins and William Jackson, sure. Carl Lawson, all guys that could make a difference over the course of a long game.
1: But they didn't attack those guys. They knew exactly what to do. They went Sean Williams and linebackers.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. They did seem to have a plan. And, and the things I noticed from the Bengals, and we'll get into this a little bit more in the second segment, the different things that we've noticed in training camp is we saw the tight formations. I don't think yep. we saw the full degree of pre-snap movement. And we saw a lot of single high safety stuff on defense. All those things we've seen in training camp practices translated to the first preseason game.
1: And something I expected, too, Tyler Boyd was targeted early and often, and he was that safety valve for um, Andy Dalton. Anytime it felt like Dalton held the ball for more than two seconds, that ball's coming out to Tyler Boyd over the middle. And uh, that's a good thing. I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of targets and a lot of balls in this offense. He technically had a drop or a fumble. That looked like a fumble to me. Uh, whatever. It's preseason. Just like I, I think Brandon Wilson had an interception there. They called pass interference on Tony Lippett later in the game. But to me, those count, you know, as, in, in in the evaluation process. Did the guy make the play or not? So uh, for Tyler Boyd and Andy Dalton, they looked good for the most part. And we'll talk more about the offense in the next segment. But just really we're watching for that first initial drive on the offense and defense, right? And then there is the evaluation
2: piece after that. We'll get into some of the depth as well, but for all intents and purposes, when you're evaluating for the regular season, after the first drive in this game, we didn't see very many players who were going to play a lot of stats for the Bengals. Of course, there are exceptions to this on the defensive line and mm. at, at wide receiver, but for the most part, the starters were out of the game very
1: quickly. Yeah, Billy Price played another series, actually, at center, which mm-hmm. uh, I thought was interesting. But, he, you know, he's a second-year guy and missed a little bit of uh, time. So, and also of note, I guess we should say Clayton Fedulam uh, seemed to have hurt his ankle while he was pass-rushing, blitzing on the right side there. Right ankle was hurt. Uh, Seaton Carter was hurt on a special teams play. So was Travion Williams on a Hail Mary where that was almost returned. He ran downfield, yeah. made a tackle. Looked like he strained his uh, ribs or oblique. You know, they and, called it a bruised rib. Ah, uh, it makes sense. Okay, yeah, you can see the way he pulled up. Uh, so, you know, those are things that shouldn't hold those guys out. But Clayton Fedgelum is the one to definitely watch.
2: Yeah, and if it's a high ankle sprain, something like what Andy, uh, with what A.J. Green's dealing with, he might be out for a few weeks. You hope it's sure. not bad. They had to cart him off the field, which you don't want to see in your first preseason game. None of the starters, at least, sustained any injuries that we know about. So we've had we've got that silver lining. Uh and and I think it was interesting to see that all these receivers were rotating in on the first drive as well. Auden Tate yeah. had that huge catch. I was sitting on the plane and the plane I was on got got some satellite TV, live TV, so I actually got to watch that drive. And I saw the underthrow to Josh Malone. We'll talk about that. And then man, that that Auden Tate catch. I I put Fantastic. my hands on my head. I'm like,
1: "Wow." It looked like AJ Green, right? like young uh, aj i mean just going up to making a hands catch in the air you know yeah. with a with the guy on him the guys i mean had pretty good coverage he's just not going to find the ball over a guy that's that big with that ball skill so he,
2: he has great uh, ball skills man i i right. don't see a way that he doesn't make the team if he can do that right like if that's something that he can offer you at at
1: wide receiver depth you yeah, need for that sure. yeah especially because core still looked like core malone looked surprisingly good and we'll talk a little more but on and tate i mean if i'm gonna start to split hairs at the end there Damian Willis didn't show up so you know I'm looking at it like I want Auden Tate on this roster
2: yeah and we'll we'll talk about the receivers I think a little bit in the next segment yeah any other overall thoughts that you had uh watching the other team Darwin Thompson our draft crush I tweeted about him a lot last night my my FOMO on Darwin Darwin Thompson just fully lived itself out last night
1: yeah, he was electric. He looked like Jamal Charles out there wearing that 25. Looked like he was running a 4-3 against these guys, jumping over our linebackers, trucked Jermaine Pratt. That was, that one hurt. That was a dagger right to the chest. But, uh, you know, in comparison, Travion Williams got five carries for five yards. There was no semblance of a running game at all for the Bengals. It just it seemed like there was too many missed blocks or just really – he didn't have that extra gear or that elusiveness. You know, definitely not like Darwin Thompson in direct comparison. And it's only a comparison because they played each other. They're both rookies and were drafted within, you know, a handful of picks of each other, 6th to 7th round. Uh, so, you know, it's just a direct thing there. I, I was hoping to see a little bit more and a little bit longer from Trayvon Williams.
2: Yeah, just some more attempts, too. I think the the muffed punts really set the team and maybe their plan for the game, for the offense in particular back. You can't turn over two punts. You'd you lose two series there. That you right. know Now you have to start playing situational football, which I'm assuming was the emphasis there uh, mm-hmm. after the Chiefs went up from 17-7 to, what,
1: 31-10? And that's probably one more point because we'll probably do a segment on offense and defense. Special teams... God, man, Darius Phillips, and it's funny because on the preview show I said, I really hope Darius Phillips gets a lot of opportunities because I want him to make this roster. Not only do I think he had a, a decent game at corner, he had yeah. a nice pass breakup in the end zone. I thought he broke up another one they called pass interference, which was silly to me. I even watched it just a minute ago and didn't see it. Uh, I thought he had a good game on defense. But then I think a lot of his value is supposed to come as a return man, and he completely had a disaster of a night. I think if I'm coaches, since he played the way
2: he did on defense, I give him another chance. And also, as a kick returner, he had a 40-yard kick return. That's pretty he good. He did.
1: It was a really nice kick return. Yeah. I just, for whatever reason, that ball hit him in the face. I mean, if you're an yeah. experienced punt returner, that doesn't happen. So, it, it something was going on with him last night. And I, I'd, I'd really like to see... You know, maybe we stop letting Josh Malone and Quinton Flowers and those guys catch punts and start letting the top two guys you expect to have catch all the punts. I did think that about the rotations. Those are heavy rotations at a lot of positions. We've seen that in camp. And then those guys didn't look as crisp as I expected them. They The Bengals definitely didn't look as crisp as the Chiefs did in direct comparison.
2: Yeah, that, that could be an issue when you start to have the rotations, that look, the extent to which the Bengals are rotating players really all over the field, including the offensive line. We'll talk about that in the next segment. Let's get there now, actually. Let's start talking about the offense. We're going to take a quick break. Come back, we'll do offense. We'll take another break. We'll do defense. And tomorrow we'll come back and we'll get into it in a little more depth. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple you put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is
3: Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana in the age of online retailers. Buying a car should be no different, and that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
1: Defeat to the Kansas City Chiefs, or at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs, I should say, 38 17. Let's start with the offense in this segment. Uh, generally, first series was good. I, it could have ended short, obviously, with that Tyler Boyd drop fumble that went in the Bengals' favor. My one concern is that deep ball to Josh Malone. And I, I shouldn't get hung up on it because, what, three plays later he comes back and hits Auden Tate on a nice one, Andy Dalton, I'm talking about. But the thing that sours the First offense for me is that play and it was something I thought about all night and even this morning I woke up and thought about that play instantly because it, maybe it's because it's a direct comparison to Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs where he doesn't miss those or if he does miss one he's going to come back and hit you with some other you know high-end difference making throws on that same drive and whereas Andy Dalton if he's not hitting that or not consistently or not enough I get concerned because I don't want to have these 14 play drives you want to have Six to eight play drives. If you go, the more more plays you have in a in a um, in a drive, the more opportunities for mistake and breakdowns. If you have to convert on third downs five times in one drive, chances are you're not going to convert all five, and you're going to have to punt or settle for a field goal. So you want these shot plays to be hit. The Bengals. It looked like a very scripted drive. Uh, they look crisp. They look clean. They got to this play. They got to the other side of the fifty, and they're like, "Here's our shot." This is the time where teams take our shot, and it was there. It was set up. Andy Dalton said he didn't realize how far um, Malone beat his guy, and he just kind of let it go and didn't exp- didn't really put it all into it. But you know, this had to be a play you practice uh, a little bit. I would, if you would have hit that throw, I said, "Man, what an opening drive! What a crisp, clean drive that was. Eight plays, you score." You got out of here on a big play. That's something the, the offense hasn't had. The Not only the timing, but the crispness of the first uh, handful of plays. And then a big shot play to Josh Malone. Man, that would have been a, a perfect way to cap off the first drive. Instead, it left a little sour taste in my mouth. They ended up capitalizing, and, and Auden Tate made an excellent play on it. So, in my mind, Malone and Tate, two awesome routes and, and and plays on the same drive there that could have resulted in touchdowns so very good on them points for them I just uh I don't want that play to sour me but I woke up thinking about it
2: if you watch that play again it is bizarre the corner it looks like it might be cover two bites on the play action hard yeah. And and Malone is behind him five yards before Dalton probably even looks up yeah I know it, it's it's a great play design, I think. The safety and the corner on that side of the field bite hard on play action. Malone, it's a busted coverage. And you're right, you don't want to see your quarterback miss in into busted coverage, and that one isn't even a particularly hard throw. He has to either get it out there a little bit deeper or get it out there a little bit earlier so that when you put it 40 yards downfield, it's in stride, or you have to realize, okay, I'm a little bit late, I got to push this into the end zone, not give the corner an opportunity to get back into the play.
1: Exactly, especially because he—it seemed like he did notice it late, and that's why he his feet weren't completely set and adjusted. He just saw it turned and tried to throw it, but that's where you want the raw arm strength because those—you know—you would just flick that and get it out there as far as possible. Let Malone just run under it and catch it. Uh, and again, I don't want to harp on the play too much, but it, 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 i was surprised waking up this morning that I was still thinking about it. Uh, but overall, the offense-wise, I thought mixed bag for the offensive line. Was one play where it looked like they were going to call a penalty on Bobby Hart and they picked the flag up so there wasn't a legal block, but I thought he was holding on there. Uh, Corey Glenn missed the one on the screen that lit Tyler Boyd up. I thought John Jerry missed a, a second level block. And so overall, those guys that we were kind of focusing on had ups and downs on the first drive, but the O line as a unit held together just long enough to put a touchdown on the board. The pass
2: blocking from the first unit was adequate, you could say, for the kinds of plays they were calling. Very fast ball out of Dalton's hands, even more so than we've seen in the past, I feel like, for the most part. He's getting the ball out on time pretty quick. In the run game is where you started to have some issues with the blocking. Billy Price missed a block that got uh, Travion Williams blown up at the line of scrimmage, and he's looking around afterward. It wasn't maybe only Billy Price, it looked like He and. uh, uh, Was it John Miller? John Miller, who we haven't talked about at all in the last couple of weeks. They got split by the defensive tackle. Uh, But you see Billy Price looking backwards after the play like, ah, shit. Um, Yeah, I mean, the pass blocking is fine. The run blocking, I think Mixon probably makes it look better, right? Mixon and Geo probably make a pretty big difference with the run blocking because Mixon was functional last year.
1: With essentially the same line, right? Um and there was a play Travion bounced it all the way to the left side and I didn't think he was supposed to he no, went he too wasn't. quickly through his reads and uh and I was like ah, as long as you got the speed, that's okay. Oh you don't, it's a one yard run, you know. I think Mixon would thought. have Okay, yeah. And I thought Mixon would have turned that either upfield for a few more yards.
2: Yeah, I had the same thought on that play that he was, as they say, going to the corner store, going hunting, yes, shopping exactly. at the corner store, and, and he need, he didn't need to do that. He had that was a rookie move. He has to find his lane and find a place to stick his foot in the ground and get upfield instead of just looking to get around the corner.
1: Yeah, so that's pretty much the review of the first team offense. Uh, Driscoll comes in after that, and he yeah, looked a tough completely time. out of. Yeah, he looked out of sorts, didn't he? He looked uncomfortable in the pocket. I thought his arm strength looked poor. There was one deep ball where it just floated on him. and I, uh, Yeah, he had to reset his feet a little bit. But I'm like, man, I thought Driscoll had a decent arm, at least uh, in comparison to the two other guys on the roster. And he just didn't look right at all. I, actually, in comparison to Ryan Finley that came in right after him, Finley looked efficient. He looked clean. He looked like he went through his reads very quickly. The most impressive play to me was when he had to get to like his third read and come back all the way to the left and hit Jordan Ellis when Ellis goes in for the score. Uh, the fact that he can even get through and know that he has a guy on the left side there is, is pretty good. I mean, we've we've complained that uh even veteran quarterbacks don't do that all the time. So that was a good thing to see from Finley. I don't think he looked any different than what I expected in terms of physical ability. There was a a deep ball that was intercepted, and it wasn't a deep, it was more like a, a, a zip throw on a post, and it just got away from him a little bit, I believe it was third and 15 or so uh, at the end of the game. But that was ultimately intercepted as it was an inaccurate ball, and he doesn't have the strongest arm, so that I guess that's something to keep an eye on. But overall, I think he functioned well and went through it exactly the way uh, you, would, uh, you would want a backup quarterback to run.
2: There's some speculation from the people covering the Bengals that Ryan Finley might be, as they say, a gamer, a guy who doesn't necessarily have the best practices, but for whatever reason, turns it on in the game. And so far, that narrative is playing out to some degree. I mean, his first drives, first couple drives were crisp, had some good chemistry with Stanley
1: Morgan. Yeah. And there was also his first drive, his radio helmet wasn't working. So he had to go and communicate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's even more impressive for your first drive in an NFL game. To have to run back and forth and and read lips and communicate with hand signals and stuff with your with your first time coach calling calling plays for the first time also.
2: Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that. That's some good poise for the young guy. And in, with regards to his arm strength and and Andy Dalton's throw earlier with with both of those for one just to go back to that Dalton throw, I think he hits that more often than he doesn't. I don't know sure. what happened there. I think that's a weird one, uh, but. You can remember Andy Dalton when he was a young guy coming into the league. He didn't come into the league with a plus arm, and now he's at least average. This is something that guys can develop in the pros. So if Ryan Finley can get the mental stuff together, he can be a very suitable backup in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and then the backups, uh, so the receivers came out, and there was still a rotation. I mean, Josh Malone was still out there in the third quarter, I believe it was. Which I was surprised uh, by, yeah. Yeah, and remember, we said that during the preview, that we might see all these guys except for Tyler Boyd rotate, and yeah. we really did. We yeah, ended up you, doing- s- you
2: said that, and I was a little skeptical. I thought they might get Malone out of there after, after halftime, but he did
1: come back in the third quarter i was trying to give you credit there jake but uh, anyway i did he ended up catching three balls for 42 yards in total same for stanley morgan jr three balls for 42 yards that's a 14 yard average that's pretty good for both guys uh, especially because neither one are athletic freaks so i thought morgan looked good i thought morgan had a decent kick return also and to me i thought he stood out he looked like he belonged i didn't see any issues with him in in terms of uh Hands route running, he caught a nice pass over the middle and took a nice, uh, decent hit from the safety. So, all in all, I thought he had a a, a good showing. You know who looked uh, fun to me? And it was Hunter Sharp. He was, he was the third-string slot guy behind Erickson. He was wearing 15 now, and it was funny because he caught a pass, and I'm like, oh, it's like John Ross. Like, first thing in my mind was, that's John Ross out there. What's he do- doing? And I was like, oh, yeah, they switched numbers. But then there was a couple other routes and where I focused on him, and he was very quick. Very quick. I thought he had very clean feet, very sharp cuts coming off him. I'd like to see him get the ball a little bit more. Hunter Sharp caught two balls for 22 yards. And uh, the guy that they're all seems like they're chasing still is Cody Core, caught two passes for 19 yards.
2: Yeah, and Hunter Sharp was a guy you might remember that Dave Lapham singled out early on in the mini camp OTA, rookie camp process, said, keep your eye on Hunter Sharp, and then he's been yeah. hurt. And now he's back at practice. So it's good for him that he's showing up a little bit in these preseason games to try to get back into that receiver room mix. But man, that is a crowded depth chart there at the back. Any other notes on the offense, Joe, before you move on to the defense?
1: Yeah. Just one more. We should talk about the tight ends a little bit. And uh, they all caught passes. Sample caught one for seven. Shrek caught one for seven. Carter caught one for seven. After that, it was Jordan Franks caught one for two. Uh, But Sample, I think is the focus here because we wanted to see, you know, what he could do. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he had four targets. He had Three two targets. drops. Well, one was a pass interference, so it, it probably doesn't count. I, in my mind, I'm counting it because he couldn't get off the, the separation. It's an out route where mm. the guy grabs him. But I wanted him to break off that and have some first in his step. You know, this is the evaluation part. It's not, you know, game-wise, it doesn't matter. To me, I wanted to see him break off that and be able to catch this ball. He couldn't get off, couldn't get his head around. He the, the, No separation on the play. Uh, and then so the two drops, he also had a pass interference. It was a pick play, a mesh play, mm-hmm. where Erickson's coming underneath, and, and, and he's wide open. Sample did not have to do what he had to do. Erickson was already wide open and, and running on his own. Sample actually took a step into the linebacker with his hands out. He didn't play that off at all. So it wasn't a great day for him. And as a blocker, though, I did see a couple of really nice blocks, especially one in pass protection. It ended up being a, a pass completion to Jordan Ellis and, and, uh, Sample stayed in on the right side there. He blocked the defensive end for at least a second and a half, threw him into Andre Smith and leaked out for a a check down, and then ran upfield and and got a block on a safety as Ellis tried to cut behind him, and then in a punting on third because it was third and 15 or something. Uh, But overall, that was a good good play for Sample. So it wasn't all bad, but it was kind of what we feared and expected, where he was rough in the passing game. But as a blocker, he looked like he can be an asset.
2: The caveat is he's a rookie and he's a tight end, and you should never expect much from your rookie tight end. So while this was, I wanted to see
1: raw ability, though you know.
2: I was gonna say while this was our first exposure to him, we we would like to see a little bit more, and we'll have to keep an eye on that in the next couple of games. Yeah, for sure.
1: So I wonder what the coaches are saying to him if they because he took a shot to the head too, which I thought was pretty ugly. Uh, so maybe it, you know because he drops a pass after that also, and I I wonder if that affected him at all. They said he was okay when I asked on the Twitters,
2: but you never know with those headshots. And with rookies that are trying to prove themselves, maybe they're not reporting everything so diligently as you would like to protect themselves. Anyway, that's going to wrap up our offensive summary for the day. We'll get into the defense after this break.
3: Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. Join me every Thursday with The First One Drops, only on Amazon Music. Let's go. And we're back, segment three. Let's talk about the defense
1: from yesterday's 38-17 defeat. And I I think a lot of people were disappointed with the performance of the defense as a whole. And I mean, you give up 38 points, uh, but they had some short field position situations, and... I guess we didn't see anything different or exciting, right? It kind of looked exactly like the defense was before. The linebackers were getting aired out. Uh, they couldn't find the football. Misdirection was confusing them. So as a whole, I think people wanted to see more. You're going against the best offense or one of the best designed offenses in the league. Uh, so that has a factor to it. But overall, I came away after re-watching thinking, yeah, just a couple of mental errors here or there. One from Jordan Evans, uh, um, one where they're trying to show... Sugar in the A-gap, which is two linebackers lined up over the center and between the guard, and you're doing that to try and get the offensive line to block inwards and then out. You get a free rusher out of it a lot of times. But they're in man coverage, and the running back's leaking into the flats, and this is his third and four, third and three play, and Jordan Evans has to run from over top of the center all the way to the flats and make this tackle before this running back gets three yards. It's just it's not going to happen. So when you watch it in, in hindsight, you kind got to go, all right, you're just getting out-schemed most of the time. They're just getting bad luck. But then there was one where Evans and number 37, I can't remember which safety that was that was backing up up, uh, fedulum, both take the running back and then leave the tight end open over the middle. There was a lot of communication errors, I think. It kind of looked that way. They had issues with
2: tight ends and running backs and with that that little jet sweep touch pass to Meikle Hardman, where he just runs around the edge and zips into the end zone. But that's Pretty much all of Kansas City's passing is Blake Bell, Travis Kelsey, that Miko Hardman catch, and and
1: Darwin Thompson. Dion Yelter, another tight end yep. who had a good that, game for them. That um, Miko Hardman play is interesting on rewatch, too, because uh... – Jermaine Pratt and Evans were the two guys at linebacker. They're showing a run to the left. They never give it to Darwin Thompson, flip it to Mikkel Hardman, and Pratt's just, he never notices it. Even he's the guy on the right side, and Evans is the guy on the left side. Evans notices it first and actually gets closer to Hardman by the goal line. It's a good play design. When it
2: when it works like that and you don't get the contain for your defensive line from the corners, you don't get any penetration, you don't get any guys getting off their blocks, those linebackers are going to hesitate. It's a tough play <laughs> to defend. And that's something that you would like to see the Bengals be able to do with John Ross, that, that almost exact play.
1: Yeah, and I thought the Bengals stayed in their base defense a little uh, too much they but, and rotated at their corners. Yeah, I thought they were out there with three wide receivers or even with Kelsey. I, I would treat Kelsey as a wide receiver at this point, especially when he's going to line up wide like that. Uh, so I thought that was more of the same of them being vanilla on offense and defense. It kind of makes sense that that was their game plan. But one guy that stood out to me positively to talk good about some part of the defense, Andrew Brown. Year mm-hmm. two for him. He's someone I really liked last year. He looked a little slim, a little cut. I wrote in my athletic piece that I don't like the idea of him at defensive end. And then when I saw him, I go, oh, he's actually in better shape than I expected. He look, He kind of looks like a big defensive end. Uh, and he was getting pressure. He was, he was actually he had real powerful hands blowing these guys up a little bit, the backup linemen, uh, but then an injury happened. I think it was uh, it had to be uh, Christian Ringo, and they replaced Ringo with Andrew Brown at the defensive tackle spot, and that's where I think he should be, and Andrew Brown came to life again where it's like, man, look at him. He's quicker and faster than these interior offensive linemen. He had a nice uh, tackle for a loss there. He had a sack from there, and I just thought, okay, it, he, could he be beating out uh, even if it's Ringo as, like, the backup, the fifth D-tackle, if they're going to keep one? Or is he beating out Jordan Evans as, or, I'm, I'm sorry, Jordan Willis as the fifth defensive lineman? Or maybe that's even Kerry Wynn, Wyndham play last night.
2: It does make for an interesting camp battle because at this point you have to kind of feel like Andrew Brown has done quite a bit in his first preseason game, made quite a case for himself. The only other defensive lineman that really had any sort of production is, is Carlos Dunlap, and I thought Sam Hubbard looked pretty good just on yeah, an individual basis. Yeah, did you see the one basis.
1: play where he bull-rushed uh, Fisher, right? hmm Did you see that when he's coming off the right edge, and he really got under his pads, and oh, Fisher yeah. was holding on for his life on skates going backwards.
2: Yeah, I thought Sam Hubbard had a few really nice reps. I thought he looked good going around the edge. He got a little bit deep sometimes and couldn't. And Mahomes, when the rest of the pocket is clean, is going to step up and get out of yeah, that. But
1: he's good at that. that.
2: That doesn't mean it's a bad rep for 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 Sam Hubbard right I think he had individual wins out there in his limited playing time Carlos Dunlap had a big hit
1: on that on that uh, out and up to
2: Kelsey too
1: that's right he did he crushed him he crushed Mahomes and Mahomes stepped into it made a a beautiful throw kind of made you know it's nice to look at when you see that on the other side sometimes but uh yeah overall the defense was rough but at the same time, it was very vanilla. It wasn't. I didn't think we saw a blitz until the third quarter, and they they no, up, brought they, a uh, safety. They they blitzed a the safety
2: and in this in something earlier.
1: Fedulum actually blitzed yeah. and got
2: hurt on that one. Yeah, yeah that's blitz. right.
1: They did. They they did a little earlier than that. But still, point being is, uh, they really weren't showing anything. It was yeah. it was it was extremely vanilla, and I think they just wanted their guys to play fast, play loose. Uh, that's how you'd want it for these young linebackers, and yet none of them really stood out in a positive way except for Hardy Nickerson had an interception, really nice interception over the
2: middle. Right after he got beat for a touchdown, the Jekyll and Hyde yeah. of Hardy Nickerson in this game, I guess he just took a bad angle on an angle route on a Texas route, whatever you want to call it from Darwin Thompson and had no chance after Thompson got across his face. It looks like Nickerson tried to undercut it instead of just playing Thompson. And if he plays yeah. Thompson, then it's safe. You know, you probably, at least you slow him down, even if you don't tackle him. Cause Darwin Thompson right. proved to be slippery last night. Even if you don't tackle him, you don't let him just catch it in stride and, and take off by you. And then you're chasing a guy that you don't have the foot speed to get to. But then he does come back on the next drive, I think, and, and is playing an intermediate zone, a short zone on the right side and, and watches a quarterback's eyes well and undercuts the route and finds an interception.
1: And it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid play. Yeah, he snags it and, and gets some yards after the catch, too. good hands uh, catch, yeah. My reaction to that was, I'm like, ooh, a linebacker made a play. And, like, this is not a play we see very often from the Bengals linebackers. So my instant reaction is, oh, yes, shit, it's number 56. <laughs> like, I didn't want it to be him. I want it to be Millie Jefferson or Jordan Evans or even Deshaun Davis. I wanted it to be one of the, the young guys we feel have some upside. But good for Hardy Nickerson. You know, he's he's obviously a special teams guy that the last administration liked, but – He's making a play here, and yes, you're not allowed to let a running back cross your face on those routes where then he ended up getting beat by uh, Chris or uh, Darwin Thompson, but he comes right back and makes a play, and I just wish it was because Pratt looked rough. I thought Evans looked rough, and I thought Malik Jefferson ran around like he was a— like, his head was on fire, but in a bad way. Not like Clayton Fedgelum running around with his head on fire in, in on every play. Like, Jefferson running around. Like, I don't know what his responsibilities are. And I'm going to watch the game one more time tonight before tomorrow's game. And we'll be able to get more details on some specific plays. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, if I watch him and focus on him even more, maybe it'll change my mind. But, yeah, that that didn't look great from for, you know, a guy that we haven't heard anything about this, this camp and preseason, basically, uh, to... Go out there, and first time we get to see him, didn't look any different.
2: Yeah. Tony McRae, I thought, had a pretty decent game in run support and in pass defense. He had a tackle for a loss and a pass defense, and those were both plays that stood out when you watched him. Darius Phillips, as we mentioned, had two pass breakups. PFF mentioned him in their little game recap. So we mentioned his struggles in the punt return game. But he did have a nice game on defense, which is why earlier I said, I think, you know, give him another shot, right? Give him another chance yeah. to prove that he can do it on defense. I would also say that while there's a lot of criticism on the defense, and you mentioned this a little bit, they had a lot of short fields, when you when you muff two punts inside the 30 or whatever it was, you're going to give up a ton of points. And and yeah. I think against Andy Reid, it's just, it's a very hard first assignment. And you've also mentioned a few times the Bengals are trying to keep things vanilla or they were keeping things vanilla, I think that's 100% true. The one real thing that the Bengals have going into the Week 1 game in Seattle is that Seattle hasn't seen them yet. Right. And, and they're trying. Emily, Emily Parker told us the reason that they don't want media to record in 11-on-11s is because they don't want Seattle to get any of that stuff on tape. Fans are going to do it to some degree, but the Bengals know that they have a potential information advantage that could help them in that first game
1: yeah and I would also credit Brandon Wilson uh yeah he didn't get credited for that interception but it was still a fantastic play he showed off the speed getting to the corner to the edge there on the boundary and making a, a nice interception while getting both feet down was really fantastic play by him and I thought there was a couple other times that he flashed and definitely flashed his speed they put him down in the slot corner and had him cover one-on-one a couple times so if if Edgeland's out for a while Wilson becomes the third safety so it's worth noting now in an elevated role, you know, what can he do and what can he offer the team? All right, Joe,
2: 30 seconds left here. Anything you want to wrap up with?
1: Uh, Ryan Finley, great day. The only really rookie that stood out positively. And overall, I think uh, the offense is what we expect in terms of Tyler Boyd and Andy Dalton right now without everyone else out there.
2: Yeah, it was encouraging to see that connection be as on point as it was early. Tyler Boyd looks good. The first-team defensive line looks good. These are the strengths we were hoping to see, and we did see them. For the young guys, got some work to do. For the depth and offensive tackle in particular, I think that's my biggest concern coming out of this game. We'll have to see if the Bengals do anything to address it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow when we've had a chance to watch the tape again and get into some of the nitty-gritty. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.